Welcome back, music lovers, to yet another go with Eduardo and Kevin, ye old hosts of Discologist. On this, the season premiere, you will be exposed to new sounds and experiences unlike any you have ever encountered before, unless you have tuned into the previous 13 seasons of Discologist, in which case you pretty much know what you are in for. Jazz fusion from Milwaukee, country twang, breaking hearts, and bong rock all play a part in the next hour or so of your life should you continue down this path. Warning, this season does not start with a sunny stit record. Adjust your expectations accordingly. With that out of the way, let us begin. Season 14 of Discologist starts now. Welcome back to Godzilla Talk. Uh, <laughs> we have, I know you were th thinking you were tuning in to hear about some music, but uh, we had a little change of plans. Um, I, I, we could tie in the, the band Gojira. We could. Uh, you know, I haven't, yeah. I haven't investigated that that much. So, you know, the start of a new season. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Eduardo. Welcome back, me. Um, here, here. What, uh, a lot of times we start off, we say, you know, well, what? What do we do in our little break? Which this was a little longer than our last winter break, but what do we do? Um, I'll start. I watched a Godzilla movie every single day in January. <laughs> <laughs> and now I have seen every single Godzilla movie that is available to be watched. Um, and I will be relating that and Badfinger using those two <laughs> indexes indexes. Those are those are your those are your like lenses for understanding yes, the world. For under it's like the Rosetta Stone. Yeah, for yeah. understanding all music in 2024. So okay. uh, I wanted, uh, you know, this is going to get into something we're going to talk about. I, I, I kind of wanted to do a uh, rating system this season. I know I, I don't think we talked about this, but <laughs> I wanted it to have rating on intensity of Godzilla yells, though, right? <laughs> and the lowest would be Manila, which is like baby son of Godzilla. It's just like, uh -huh. uh -uh. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. So, uh, no, that, I, I listen to a lot of music. I finished an album, and um, that's about hanging out with cats. Hang out with you. <laughs> an album that um, you finished an album that, like, hopefully, we'll find a way to talk about here. I think maybe. I think we're uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. But you made it to Milwaukee. Uh, um, I made it to Milwaukee since we last, uh, since since our listeners last heard from us. I have been to Milwaukee again. We had a lovely weekend there in mid December. Y'all watched Gremlins the without museum. me. Um, we watched. Criticized Gremlins. the base of my system. <laughs> uh, I, I did. I did suggest that maybe Kevin needed a subwoofer, which was a dick move. It wasn't a dick part. move because, as we found <laughs> out, Morant six thousand seven. Not a whole lot. Of, not not the base it needs. Although, I will say this: I found a. Um, a Bill Frizzell album, um, good good oh, man, yeah, happy dog, good, good man, happy dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I found that up at Acme Records here, and uh, it is a lot. It, there's, it has a lot to do with how it's recorded, because that's too much bass when the uh, bass is just sitting right along the center. Okay, so yeah, uh, you know, maybe ha having just come off mixing a record, I'm very sensitive to this shit right now, but. You know, maybe people could uh, mix a little better. Like, kick that bass up. Don't be afraid. 
Yeah. Um, I've had a, I've had a couple of, uh, I had a little moment a couple of weeks ago with the Silver Jews record, Lookout Mountain, Lookout Sea, oh. um, which was an album of theirs that I didn't really, uh, I just didn't really enjoy it when it came out. And um, early January is like David Berman's birthday and there's all these like events and, uh, you know, people are posting about it. There's a great Instagram account um, on this. Anyway, I uh, thought, why don't I pull that record out since it's like kind of a new Berman record to me that, that I've never right. really spent a lot of time with. And while, you know, the album is much better than I remember, and it's it's maybe now like, you know, high on my list of of favorite things he's ever done. But the bass in the mix is really weird and I cannot get it to sound <laughs> in a you know, like and I don't know if it's the original recording. I don't know if it's how, you know, whoever mastered you know, whoever mastered it for the yeah, record. Yeah. Like yeah, it's just Something about it does not sound right. And I haven't compared it to the digital yet. I should do that. Yeah, but, yeah for sure. Uh, I love I, when that happens, by yeah. the way. Not not, not you listen to a record and the bass sucks. That, that's not good. But but when, yeah, when yeah. you li- listen to something that you aren't that familiar with or you've forgotten about and you're like, whoa, yeah. this is way better than I thought. Yeah, it's really one of those testaments. I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 um, sometimes you and I can be very attached to our opinions. But like deep down, I think we know that like, We've all been, we've all lived enough to find ourselves being wrong about certain things and to, you know, sort of finding yourself liking something you didn't like or disliking something that you used to like. Right. And it's a nice reminder to sort of stay humble. uh, And, you know, just because an artist you love puts something out that you don't, you know, immediately connect with, it's still there. Life is long. You get to go back and yeah that on at a different point Th- that's you know? actually a lot of how I, i've started listening to music in 2024 and then once we finished the last season and i've been going back and just picking up records and being like just looking at it through a different lens and i don't want to like name the lens because i'm not quite even clear what it is but giving stuff yeah. a, a second chance for example rush i like rush now yeah you had a big rush thing yeah huh? yeah i like rush now and that has been 51 years in the making um, yeah, and, yeah. uh, but something about it clicked where I was like, oh, I understand this. Um, for me, it's, it's kind of like my deal with jam bands. It's like, yeah, I can enjoy it. Don't tell me that like the guitarist for Mo is as good as Miles Davis, for example, for example. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, d- don't do that. But as long as you don't do that, you know, we can have sane conversations and, there's speaking of speaking of jam bands one of the things i got to do while we were off was i got to see fish play a game henge set for the first time in like 30 years which uh i was trying to explain this to someone as like this is the fish set that a bunch of us were chasing when we got into fish in the 90s with this idea that like in theory they could play it but they probably won't right and you chase it for so long that you forget you're chasing it and then suddenly it's like happening and it's just a very like wonderful disorienting i wish i wish more people got to love a band that does as much to surprise their fans and to sort of delight them right. as as fish are capable of doing yeah yeah and, and as a fan that was like pretty good i mean and i think you text me because i did not watch it. i actually still haven't watched it i've listened to it but i haven't watched it um it's yeah. on youtube uh we'll put a link in the show notes for that but um you texted me from the show you're like game ends bro i was like fuck you like not and like me and Dari, <laughs> yeah. we, we did like a little Bayview crawl um, for New Year's and and then I was like <laughs> so I looked at a set list I'm like oh <laughs> I, lo- I look over oh. at Daria and I'm just like huh 
Um, <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> you know what? Plans. We're having a nice time listening to records. We're gonna. Yeah. This is gonna be, uh, you know. But it was the first year that I had not watched New Year's. Less people think yeah. I, I, yeah. I hate on the band Fish. There's a lot of things I don't like, but there's a lot of things I do enough to like, you know, spend time like that yeah. with them. Um, yeah, but like back in the day, like I, you talk about people chasing that stuff. I went so far as to find performances from live shows and this was in like the Napster LimeWire era. So you had to uh-huh. you had to like just look around and find stuff. And digital shows were starting to get traded. I think like eTree started up around then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah eTree. And bt.etree.org. Yep. Um which is still yeah. there. Uh but at any rate, I collected the best what I thought was the best versions of each song, sequenced them into a CD and made the artwork and gave it to all uh, our friends in our little group that went to fish shows for Christmas. Was everyone like, was psyched. Oh, no, everyone yeah, was psyched. Was, people what, still what have it. Gift. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. a great gift. Yeah. And it was good. There, 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 <laughs> yeah. There, there is a way, there is a way in which someone pointed out that like when you hear adults talking about game henge, it's a little bit like Disney adults, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> and, and that's, and that's a fair accusation. Um, but, uh, we'll get into that too. I think, you know, the way, yeah. way we talk about, Music or art or entertainment is is becoming all a little like Disney adult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Um, you're not wrong. Yeah. So uh, it's. I mean, that's what we did, right? We listened to music. Yeah. Anything else? We had great. We had great Serbian food. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Three brothers. Yeah. If you are ever in Milwaukee, yeah. three brothers. If you come to Milwaukee and you don't come get me, I'm gonna be mad. And I live like close <laughs> enough to walk down there. So if I find out you're there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm oh, showing man. up. So good. Yeah. So uh, good. Then you guys got to look at the, like, the art museum. Uh, just a good, good look mm-hmm. at, because uh, the last time you were here was right after the pandemic or at the end of the pandemic when it was bad. And so, yeah, you got a little different look at yeah. the town. Yeah. Um, and we and we did some work on that Malort bottle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I and then and then my Christmas somehow, there was like a commemorative bottle of Malort with like a Christmas ornament. That's what happens, man. Uh, it's it's, <laughs> just, it's like the ring. It's just going to hunt you down forever. <laughs> you just can't escape it. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, we're doing a little different format, so we're, we're just chatting here. But uh, since we're talking about Milwaukee, I want to bring a, a, some music into this because this is a music show. Uh, and it. I want to talk about this band called The Breadmen. And they're, I don't know a lot about them. Uh, there's not, that, like a lot of nascent groups, they don't have robust information available yeah and 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 so which is kind of its own its own fun sometimes to like not be able to find information in this case it is because everything every every way they communicate all their communications are done in bread puns right (laughs) and and the cover if you look at this album um is very much a uh it's just them sitting around a table but they all have heads made out of like slices of bread uh you know so they're, they're taking it very seriously but what they're also taking very seriously uh, is playing their instruments. This is a jazz funk sort of jam uh, entity. Uh, is a let's see, one, two, three, four, five piece. Um, you have Brett Westfall, uh, who is he's composed most of this stuff. Uh, plays trumpet. He's like the guy out front. Uh, Paul Westfall on drums. Chris Newland on guitar. Uh, Peyton Lynch on bass, and Dave Brady on keyboard. I saw them here. Uh, one thing people might not know about Milwaukee is that we have a remarkable park system. 
Uh, and and we love festivals. Yes. So in the summer, every park has a weekly gig where they put up music, and like a couple thousand people come out, uh, and and it's free. It's all it's always free. They played the uh, Chill on the Hill, which is the one near me in Humboldt Park. And uh, there's a you know the the talent varies. It's always a great event, right? Because you're out there. It's free. Uh, it's selling beer. You buy beer to pay for the park. That's how we roll here, right? Right, right, right. And and uh, so it's always a great event. But the the talent level is kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like this. These guys came out and just absolutely crushed it. And uh, yeah, I was sitting down the lawn. I just sort of sat up. I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> the Kevin, the Kevin like beacon was, yeah, was lit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I need to know more. Um, so what happens? Uh, they go into the studio here uh and they record an album called rise of the Breadmen, um and <laughs> rise I yeah you get it yeah it's great um and and they uh you know i i don't know if they're students i don't know if i, I just don't know much about them but I'm, i want to find out um they're just they're just getting started they're, they're proofing if you want to make the the bread pun <laughs> but uh, you know this is going to be a little different for anybody who's been listening to us for a while um, but I think a lot of what we talked about doing this season is just doing stuff that we like. I really really like this. So this is uh, Rise of the Breadman Baked Oven.
little baked oven by the bread men. You know, we were just talking about fish, and that uh, I think one of the reasons I like that is because that's the type of thing you might see like an after show at Hampton. Um, yes, where bands just set up yeah. in the, like hotel lobbies, um, and then you see the stuff. Very uh, there's a band called Ulu around then um, that lean heavily into the jazz. Uh, yeah. Scott Chaslin, fantastic keyboard player for them. Uh, okay, friend, friends of friends, but yeah, they were they were they were amazing. They're huh. just giant music nerds. But uh, at any rate, uh, that's the bread man. I mean, what do you think about that? Um, I uh, I really like that. You had sent me a track of theirs a couple of weeks ago, right. and it was one that had a much more sort of like aggro. Dr- driven kind of vibe and i think i wrote back and i was like you listen to rush for one day and this is what you're yeah this is what you're sending my way like, now. now you're like zappa um, and to be clear i'll never like yeah zappa. yeah right right uh <laughs> um but but this was um you know i like that sort of um it's like structured improv and it's not really um you know there's not the soloist isn't being asked to do a lot there. They're really sort of riding the changes and um, and kind of working within, you know, a predetermined sort of harmonic uh, structure, but they get to sort of throw in their licks and kind of, you know, so the song has a feeling of like a structure and a momentum, it's going somewhere. Um, and, and so it's fun to hear how the band like navigates those, those changes. Um, I really liked that, um, the way they used the guitar on that, yeah. that was like a really sort of like restrained kind of uh, chunky sort of, you know, um, chords, but not, uh, you know, I don't know if, if uh, later on in the song he like rips off a, a solo yeah, or anything it, like that, but that was a very... It's a 10 minute song. So as, as it unfolds, it starts to, it just kind of blossoms out. Um, you yeah. know, it was, I, I, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be this much jazz fusion, to be honest. Like I, I was, I was expecting like a uh, you know third tier jam band record, um, and instead yeah, it's yeah. a little more uh, Cassiopeia, and yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the Japanese, <laughs> Our favorites. Japanese jam fusion, <laughs> um, which is which is great. This is this is what I've been saying. We know every town has this stuff. I was asking uh, Mauricio about this. What are the bands, big bands going on in DC? And every band he named was punk, and I said, okay, bands besides punk. Like, yeah. like everybody. First of all, punk is like every town, but the punk is huge here right. and DC. But like the right. stuff that is going to be mo- most interesting is the stuff going on around it. And DC, that's pop. Like, uh, I don't think we're going to talk about it today, but the Mystery Friends album is fantastic. Yes, it's, it's, and, yeah. and it's eighties yeah. pop. But, but yeah. So this well, is good. You know, um, they sound a little bit like, this is really interesting, um, they sound a little bit like um, our friend Andre's band. Um, and this is going to, this will, this will, yeah, this will, this will, this will come up again. Uh, Andre will come up again uh, later today. And possibly uh, that uh, Time in the Wilderness will come up later on in the season. But, um, you know, they're playing a regular uh, gig at the Saloon on U Street. And I've seen them there a couple times. And, um, you know, they have Ralph, this this trumpet player who puts like who even plays with like an envelope filter yeah. on. Uh so he sort of gets that full like Garcia tone and uh they have two drummers. And I was sitting there listening to it and I had this weird this weird moment of realizing that um I think I need to th- 
thank or acknowledge that um, a band like Kruang Bin probably made some of this stuff possible as much as like I don't really gravitate toward their music. But the idea of like right. kind of like m- mellow instrumental music as something that you would go see and like actively enjoy, not just as background music, but as like a feature. Um, you know, for those oh. of us who like play around in a lot of different genres, like that's not unusual, right? But right. Um, but I but I think the idea of just like purely instrumental music um that that doesn't really have any of the hallmarks of of pop, um, but also doesn't quite go all the way into jazz. Right, it's sort of yeah, in this yeah, yeah, yeah. in between space. Yeah. Well, w- watch how I segue this now. Are you, are yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready? Um. So, Krangbin is going to be that. That's going to drive the algorithm, right? Yes. Right. Oh, so that's going to drive the algorithm. So, if you're a fan of that, um, there's a lot of discussion while we're off about Spotify. Like, the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Is, with everything is getting worse, as we know, <laughs> just across the board. And we're going to try to touch on a bunch of that. But, you know, I did find it interesting because uh, Pitchfork collapsed, which I'm not going to talk about yet, but the, they got rid of, a, like, most of the staff, um, very much in the same way Bandcamp did. And a complaint was, with, well, we're not going to have reviews anymore. Nobody's going to be able to discover music or whatever. And Looking around, this is just a direct comment from somebody. They said, the Spotify narrows listening habits thing is always weird to me. I'm a voracious music consumer and use Spotify to access all kinds of niche niche stuff. Spotify certainly guides ca- uh, casual listeners to mainstream stuff, but so do the bestseller racks at the front of record stores. I'm going to take that a little further and say, these algorithms, you feed them. like They, they are reacting to you. They are geared to like reflect you. Um, so do you think that the bread men would be served by the Krungman? Like if you listen to this, it's going to pop up in their yeah. algorithm. And then if it's not like, then what's the chance of them being found besides like somebody like yeah. us talking about it? Yeah. Well, um, we're, we're really like flat circling this because everything mm-hmm. is happening at the same time right now. Um, uh, when I went with the aforementioned Andre to see a band named Surprise Chef in Baltimore, uh-huh. and they're an Australian kind of funk band, um, and we'll we're not done with Australian funk today, no. but that'll but that'll be the that'll be the uh, the appetizer. Um, I uh, struck up a lovely conversation with a guy outside um, who uh, had been at like Dead and Company the night before in Philly or something like that, and I just you know, got a sense that this was like not someone who, who, uh, I don't know, there was something interesting about this guy. And, uh, he's telling me that he went to see surprise chef because he understood them to be the next Krongbin. And I was like, this is like in 2022, maybe this is last year or the year before. Uh, it was last year. It was last year. It was like, it was like late winter, early spring. And, and I guess my thoughts were like, well, like the current Kruangbin is like very much around and like right. they're still, they're like only like three records old. So it's not like you need to be chasing the 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 next new thing already. Um, and, you know, second of all, like I was just like, I didn't know that people had a hard time finding uh, this kind of, this kind of music. But it was interesting to me that he got to Surprise Chef 
I think, through the algorithm and Kruangbin. So um, it's sort of all coming together for me where, like, I think for a lot of people, depending on what else they've fed the algorithm and what their other sort of priors are, yeah. once you fold in that Kruangbin, it might send you in some really interesting directions. And it, and it, it can be great for, uh, for bands like the Redmen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, feeding it is key. Like be, being curious yourself. I, uh, you know, back to the, the pitchfork thing, you know, for anytime anybody talks about pitchfork, we have to say this, you know, this is terrible that people got laid off. Yep. Right. But also we don't necessarily, this is just my opinion. We don't necessarily need pitchfork and we never really did. Um, it, it did. I mean, I know a lot of people who have written for it. Um, I know, uh, of, like friends of friends who like were editors, great editors in there. Like this is not saying they never did any work, but what they did create is this idea of uh, music as sports, art as competition in a way that it's not, you know, art is a competition in the marketplace, but it shouldn't be a competition um, to like how you identify it with, with something makes you better or worse than another person. And that's explicitly what Pitchfork did. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it's very interesting for me to hear so many people kind of lamenting and, and bemoaning that because, um, you know, first of all, like, you know, I, you know, P Pitchfork is, is over, um, even though it'll continue to exist. Right. But it'll probably be a somewhat, somewhat different, uh, somewhat different entity. But the entity that, that, that I knew, I always thought of as being sort of like as growing out of like snarky blog culture. Yes. And, you know, and I put them like much closer to like, um, I think, I think, I think how they started getting attention was sort of as hot take artists a little bit. Um, hot take artists, uh, controversy, like you said, snark. Um, yep. and that snark got them better access. Um, yes, because there, it there it were was, a lot of blogs back then, um, and a lot of blogs since they started, right? Uh, yep. Which is, you know, similar to the algorithm. A lot of people asking where they're going to find music. They need, you know, a small blog or something like. Yeah, there, there are tens of thousands of them. Yeah, out there, there is probably someone writing like a Substack or a Medium or something like that in your city, tracking like, yeah, uh, tracking bands or um, a good Instagram account of someone who goes to lots of shows. Like, like the point. Um, I think I think the point you made about the algorithm is really is really critical, which is that let's just let's just accept this as like one of the big drivers of music recommendation, right? And to your point, you know, is it subject to gaming or whatever? Sure, but but like, but so is every other recommendation that uh, anyone has ever relied on. First of all, yeah. and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Elizabeth Moen record that we talked about last year, you came across as an Instagram ad, and I I've did. come across. Yeah, I've come across things as Instagram ads that I've just thought, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so glad this ad found me. I'm so glad that I put the right combination of inputs into which is all into this, yeah, which is also an algorithm, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 right, 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 of course, of course, right. And yeah. and and Elizabeth Moen was literally like her posting, um, "Happy birthday, first birthday to my album." I didn't follow yeah. Elizabeth Moen. I didn't know who she was. I didn't. I, I knew nothing about it. Somebody in my feed listens to Elizabeth Moen. Although it's Midwest, so that's probably uh, tracks a little, um, and and there you have it. It's one of my you know favorite yeah. albums of the past few years. Been, I might have to get another uh, copy on vinyl because I'm wearing that shit out. Um, yeah. So 
uh, you know, the algorithm, I think what we're getting to maybe isn't all that bad. And so it is not. And, and, and if you relied on Pitchfork for music recommendations, then, you know, I have great news for you, which is that there are really easy ways to, to sort of thoughtfully construct a social media feed right. or to interact with the algorithm so that you're getting new music put in front of you. First of all, yeah, hand in hand with that too is how it's okay to it's okay to trust an outlet that isn't like sort of explicitly around to make money for capital reasons, and 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 I hear this a lot, and and the whole the I mean, look the the small blogs, whatever that broke my brain. I, I was like, we, we've oh, been right, we've right, been right. doing this yeah. for like what thirteen years. This is season fourteen, mm-hmm. um, and that just broke my brain because this is like anybody in our position can tell you, yeah, no, you, no, you guys, nobody goes for the smaller stuff. You know, we can we can get bigger artists in here, and then we'll get bigger hits. But we saw last year. I haven't checked it, but maybe like a hundred fifty people listened to the Alabaster de Plume interview. Yeah. Uh, if we had been a site that sold ads, uh, maybe we attract like a, a known talent, you know, some uh, somebody who identifies as a, as a music writer. Um, then that traffic would have been a lot higher, for sure. Yeah, and 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 you know, I really don't see this. I really, I really do not. Um, agree, I guess, with the with the narrative. You know, I think some people like it's like it's clear that we weren't like bemoaning or lamenting the end of Pitchfork, right? No. Like, like I remember talking to people around then, and I just, I was just sort of to me, it was just sort of an arm shrug. Like, I like they were here, they're not. It doesn't really, it doesn't really change anything for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the idea that they were, you know, there are a couple of bands that Pitchfork, uh, you know, stand for really hard. And that probably owe a little right. So clap your hands, say yeah. I think is probably the best example sure. of like a band that they just. And you know that was not really, you know, I don't, you know, to my mind, there wasn't sort of a lasting uh, quality to that music. Right. Um, whatever. Right. Whatever they got, I hope they, I hope they got it quickly because you know by the time their second or third album came around, it was really like. You know, they. I. I don't know if they became identified as the band that that Pitchfork um, stand really hard or, or what. But like they just there. There was no. There was really no lasting success that came. Clap your hands, say yes. Way as a you know as a function of Pitchfork's attention. I, I think that's a function of listening habits and people not necessarily being real with why we listen to stuff. Um, so for example, oh yeah, the smile just came out with the record. Literally no, but nobody needs a secondhand Radiohead. Um, the last two albums were not good, in my opinion. Uh, they're fine, but they're not. I mean, well, King of Limbs just is not good. Um, but I mean, Shade Pool is fine enough, but it really, it's all about getting the true love waits with like 25 years after they first did the song. Right. And having it be right. a fantastic version and having the added uh, uh, pathos laid on top of it that like uh, Tom York's partner died. And that's what, so yeah. like, I, I get it. And so I'm torn about this stuff because. Uh, you know, I certainly don't need it, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, people should also they keep making art, regardless. They don't maximize it, right? They can maximize their profit as Radiohead, and there's like, no, we're we're gonna do this and stuff. But the the inclination then is for people to try to make that as meaningful as what 
The weirdest thing about their press release cycle, though, is how much people are trying to say, and, and if you pull it up on Apple Music, it says this, that this is this does not sound like Radiohead. And it's like, it sounds exactly like Radiohead. This is, there's no difference yeah. in this. Like, the different, not even different instrumentation. So, um, I got about I got about forty five seconds into the Smile album before I just thought I really don't you know like, I, I, I don't listen to I don't listen to Radiohead why would I listen Radiohead, to something but, that yeah. but I do and yeah. and I, I made I listened to the whole thing um, and I'll never listen to it again and that's fine and I'm not saying like for people to be like yeah, if you like it that's great but yeah. I think now if you're more likely if if you're trying to justify that as like an important record to also say uh, without pitchfork, then music's going to die. There'll be no music criticism, which is a thing That's that people right. say. That's like right. pitchfork, listen, pitchfork was never music criticism; it was lifestyle journalism, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, we had this great uh, discussion about really sort of like, what is, what is music journalism, right? Um, what, like, 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 what is the historical lens on it? What is it for? What does it do? Um, I, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy like a long written, um, like the example I've been trotting out is like the New Yorker profile of Fiona Apple from a couple of years ago, which I think is like, just a lovely piece of writing. And it's really, you know, it, 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 I enjoy everything about the experience of, of reading that. I think it's well written. I don't know that it's exactly music journalism as much as it is something that delights me. Um, you know? Yeah. You can take, you can take the music off. You, yeah. you can take, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's well written. It's, it, it basically gives you a glimpse into sort of some intimate moments and delicate moments that, that, you know, a famous person is having. But I think you're right. I mean, it really is closer to lifestyle journalism than it is like any, you know, any, it should not be properly understood as like music criticism because it's not. Yeah. And, and those two things get, get confused. And then there's, there's a lot of discussion like people like, oh, just let people like what they, they like. And like, yes, but then you're, you're, you're checking out, you're removing yourself from the music criticism discussion, which is also fine. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist and it isn't important. Music criticism, I think, is important. Um, and, and I think there, there definitely is not enough of it, but stuff like Bandcamp and Pitchfork, we're not doing that. So, yeah. So we're going to uh, be okay is what I'm saying. Um, yes, without, without Pitchfork, we will be, we will be fine. It's, it's even probably likely that Pitchfork will, will, will be a, you know, that the new sort of imprint under GQ, um, will probably produce, you know, good Good writing. It, it will still. Well, I think. Like, I think Papademus. I, I think Papademus is the one going to be. Oh yeah. On top of that, because yeah, yeah, he Alex, got hired yeah. as the head culture editor. Right. Recently, okay. so I think that okay. that is part of that move. Which, you know, we talked to the guy on the show last season. Uh, he wrote yeah. an amazing book. Uh, that Joan Lemay did amazing uh, illustrations. Quantum criminals. Like, if you don't trust that guy to like yeah. hip you to like stuff or just like give you just entertainment stuff you know to waste your brain away on for a little while because we all need that um I, yeah. I i don't know who else i mean very few writers could make me think like maybe i like dave matthews more than i thought i i was about to say papadimus wrote that great thing uh that great profile of dave matthews which was yep, yep it's absolutely fantastic if you haven't read it it yeah. is it is one of the best profiles i've seen done of anybody yeah. in a really long time so, Agreed. so Agreed. we're going to be okay, uh, I think. Um, but 
we'll stay on top of this, right? We'll. Yeah, I you know, and 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 let me just say, you know, one of the last times that I think any of us talked about something Pitchfork wrote was when they gave uh, a few months ago Dark Side of the Moon a nine point seven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Clown and shoes. that is kind of a perfect and fitting ending for that publication. Like yep. what like, you know, I uh, as someone I think as someone commented on your post, like what where do, where did they lose that point three on the side of them? <laughs> you know, I bet uh, Bethany from Best Coast is like doing a happy dance. <laughs> um, you think it's song time again? I think it's, it's song, song time. time yeah, it's song time. How about the song? Yeah. How about you do a song? Well, yeah, I'm going to take us in a little bit of a different direction. Um, my first tune here. We're going to do um, a song called El Paso okay. by Kitty Cohen. Um, Kitty Cohen is uh, Missouri born. So Ozarker, Israel Nash represent, uh, spent some time in the Austin scene, I think is now Nashville based. Um, this, uh, this song is the second side of a split single. Uh, the first song is Cadillac. Okay. And, uh, I really, I kind of like this, you know, sometimes, uh, there's an effort to like create sort of a new, uh, a new genre or a new brand name for yourself, uh, for the style of music you play. Uh, uh, the press release for this describes it as Western witch rock, which I kind of, <laughs> which I kind of enjoy. Um, the song, uh, the song Cadillac, uh, which we're not going to hear, has these sort of like Lynchy, Angelo Badalamenti type vibes a little bit, um, and it's a song that seems to be told from the perspective of uh, you know a, dr- a drug user. It's you know, I, I, I've been to hell in the back of a jacked up Cadillac. The speaker in that song is saying, you know, you know, I like to ride. Um, you know, it's an unrepentant person who is, uh, who was sort of on their way down. El Paso is the flip side of that coin. And it's the person who, who, who loves that person and is seeing, uh, their loved one, uh, you know, in the rearview mirror, um, but remembers that pain of what it's like to love an addict. Uh, so here is El Paso. Said one day you were gonna marry me, let's just blame it on the sleeper I'll see Suck a punch to the cheek, love me on that good shit Never did like you and you drank that Jameson Knock it back, have a laugh, never even chase it I don't wanna talk about it, baby, I'm anxious Oh, I gotta go, you know I gotta ask one thing Oh, I'll pass Why'd you have to last so long? You broke my heart and then you took me for a ride. That's a fair fight Heaven turn to hell As the days turn to nights Always knew the how Make me feel insane Well, I just wish you loved me I could love your cocaine Never ask you questions 
Please, no one ever asks why Even though you started coming home late every night And I think about it now Even when I'm with him I'd give anything just to forget El Paso we have it that's el paso by by kitty cohen some really kind of haunting images there that you know screaming out your name with by the red lights um that great line about you know i wish you loved me like you love cocaine yeah uh, i you know i like or i'm coming to like more this year but in particular these songs that sound familiar like they have a familiarity with it but then they hit you with like yeah. very specific lyrics like that one, yeah. you know that that can't be generalized. Because, like, look, not not in in the in the canon of country music, there's not a lot of songs that are like, "I wish you'd you know put that cocaine down." It's always whiskey, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there is whiskey in the first verse of this song, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there has yeah. to be whiskey. It's country music. I mean, yes, yeah. it's, it's legislative. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's just that's just overall pleasant. I'm 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 here for that. What what else do you know about like her other albums? I think I looked and there was a few out there. Yeah, we got um so we had uh, she had an EP in 2022 that I think got a little bit of buzz. Um we um this was pulled from our from our pitches. Um oh. I uh was um you know, I something about that that phrase western witch rock. I was like, "Oh, I'm sort of I'm you know, I don't I don't know if that's something i i'm gonna like because uh because you never know when you when you sense uh people sort of trying hard to you know it's like it's like when you hear bubble grunge you're like come on people did we need a word for this can, can we take a break and and really just talk talk to our pr friends out there <laughs> right yeah. right we can put a record yeah. scratch in here have some advice yeah um <laughs> it was something we're going to talk about today had the worst press release i've ever read is nonsensical to a human being. And your job is to get humans to like a thing that other humans are doing. So let's primarily let's pour some ice on it. You know, just like some ice water, cool it down. <laughs> and then all right, now yeah. back back to your regularly scheduled well, programming. Well, so I hear the phrase witch rock and I think, okay, this will probably sort of be evocative of like a Stevie Nicks or something like that. Yeah. Um and 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 there's a bit of that in there, but um 
you know, it was really uh, hearing these two songs back to back and sort of, you know, that that kind of journey, that feeling of like, these are songs that are connected or live in the same universe. I think that probably goes to the specificity that you were talking yeah. about, which is to say, these are songs that are like pulled from someone's experience, right? And yeah. you can tell. Yeah. And some might call it a concept album, you know, when you do stuff like that. Like, I, I, I don't know. The, the I, I do know the line is like very, very hard to see when when people are doing this type of work um because i yeah. mean sometimes like a generic country song or any song sounds fun like it's beer 30 y'all i mean that's that's fun yeah. right <laughs> right um i think that was you know uh jimmy buffett died last year and uh i think i think that was a large part of his talent um is that more often than not he could trick you into thinking you were hearing just this standard like laid back country florida song and then hit you like pirate looks at 40 like what the fuck like the fuck? yeah <laughs> you know, he yeah. went to paris like i mean there's there's great songwriting but that's just that that's above and beyond because it's not it's not putting in it into a format that you have to be really into the format so, so say like and this is not a dig on bob dylan but bob dylan makes bob dylan music mm -hmm. he doesn't he doesn't act make broadly popular music it's just like right this is impeccably well written um some people think that and then he uh it, you know it, it's specific to him that's not that interesting to me yeah well um well we, we don't need to we don't need to debate the 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 merits um of dylan but uh was <laughs> that good one? <laughs> um, uh, I, you know, I do think that um, both. It's interesting that you mentioned both both him and 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 Buffett because there um, there's more overlap there than I think most people oh, yeah. realize. Uh, first of all, second of all, they're both artists who do that thing that like mega stars or something do, which is to say that they create and cultivate a kind of public persona, and then they spend a good chunk of their career sort of in in dialogue with that public persona of theirs you know and and that's and that to me is like the line that sort of separates you know musicians from stars right so mm -hmm. um you know taylor, like ta like taylor swift obviously being the ultimate example sure. now of like someone who sort of promises intimacy but probably never reveals more than she uh wants to yeah, right yeah um and you know madonna is someone who like had a cultivated public persona and sort of was in dialogue with it is she this sort of like bad problematic uh person or not um is she gonna is she a transgressor is she gonna go over the line um and plenty of other musicians don't you know don't quite you know don't do that for whatever reasons but i think that it it, it, it can be it can it can be really it can be bad to sort of be on your bullshit and in dialogue with yourself and i won't i, I won't Oh, yeah, you won't name yeah. names. Um, <laughs> I won't. I won't. I won't call out a, a very specific alt country person who's. Uh, <laughs> but but you know, uh, no, uh, no, you're right. Well, that's what, what we were just talking about about how why we listen to music. Um, I, I think yeah. we need to start being honest with ourselves. If we're talking about like the music industry needs to thrive, we need to be honest with ourselves about why we listen to it. And a lot of the reason we listen to that or a film uh, is the personality. And if the mm -hmm. personality mm -hmm. is agreeable to us, then they can do no wrong, Christopher Nolan. Um, <laughs> and yeah. uh, even though, like, the funniest joke I heard this year was that they were releasing Tenet back in the theaters. 
Oh, God. And my immediate reaction was like, it's not going to make it good. <laughs> but... <laughs> But also, <laughs> I, I have a, I have a, I have a worse joke, which is: Is this how states are solving the lack of, uh, you know, availability of chemicals for executions? They're just going to make people watch Tenet. And <laughs> <make> them... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no. Welcome to Tenet Cast. Uh, yeah, this is, this is we're doing it backwards. In case you didn't know, oops, spoiled the movie. <laughs> Darn. Um, uh, no, but you know that, and then and then instead of like again, remove that word music from journalism and just say journalism. You can remove culture and lifestyle for these for what we're saying right now and how we relate to stuff. Uh, you know, I, I never, I don't read a lot of like music journalism. I don't read any music journalism, really. Uh, the Dave Matthews thing was just because we interviewed the guy. Um, but I do read a lot of like film criticism and I, and I always have. And I just, the other day was thinking about how, how we react differently to those two things. You know, people don't want you to be, they don't want criticism, really. But if you look at film, and, and look, there's a broad range of anything. Like, the the rise of the internet and blogs and music and film and everything kind of let a lot of schmucks in the door. You know, that, that really, I just like to hear their own voice. But if you go on even Rotten Tomatoes, it's got the horrible, like, tomato meter, but you can look at all the reviews. And it's a fascinating look to see how people think about the film. And I, I don't know if it's because it's easier to talk about, maybe. Um, the stuff is right there, literally, like, on the screen. Um, and so there's less emotional interpretation going on. There's more, I think there's more, there's maybe more of a um, kind of monoculture quality to film and video these days, which is to say, like, well, these days, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, I probably can't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to talk to like my parents or their friends about a new album that I've listened mm -hmm. to, but I bet you they want to talk about Killers of the Flower Moon, which I haven't seen, but yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I think, I think, I think there is some quality to it, which is that it's it 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 bridges people from different tribes and cultures, yeah. In a way that maybe music used to do, you know, maybe music used to be like a big instrument of the monoculture, and pop music was, and and it's not anymore, right? Is that is that because of the turn to poptimism? Um, because to be to be reductive about poptimism is that everything is good. Um, well, but at some point, yeah, at some you point, know, you play yourself if you're like all about the DIY punk band, but you're like, woo! I also like am dressing up for a Carly Rae Jepsen show. I mean, do what makes you happy, yeah, yeah. but there is a little bit of whiplash there. It's really annoying that, um, you know, like pop music. Uh, okay, I don't need a word to explain why I like candy. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I like candy because it's designed to right. be good. It's designed to, like, stimulate certain senses. <laughs> and there's, right? And, like, there are food scientists who do this. Right? So, like, like I don't need to create, like, a candy candy timism or, th like, like, there doesn't need to be, like, a label that describes a movement to embrace candy. Mm, yeah. And, 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 and poptimism always seemed to me like a bunch of dudes looking around the room at some point in their mid thirties and finally admitting that they had liked Madonna or Janet Jackson all along. Right. And like, you don't need yeah. to create a whole fucking movement or an intellectual moment to capture that. You like pop music because pop music is designed to be liked. Yeah. 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 It's, I, I, I never, I mean, the backlash is on pop optimism is endlessly uh, fascinating to me. 
and entertaining, right? It's just, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just, I don't even know what people like. It kind of, it gets the shrug, you know, um, because there is, it, it, again, if you're not going to engage in actual criticism, I, there's not a whole lot to talk about. Like, I, I wish that I had a lot to say about Badfinger, but it's like candy. It's like, I, I don't have to explain to you why I like Badfinger. Yeah. I fucking love Badfinger. <laughs> Like, it's fine. Yeah. Like, do you also love Badfinger? Maybe we could start an entire show on it. I would be up for that. But but aside from that, like, and that's that's using, like, fandom for capitalistic ventures. But, you know, it's, yeah. So, but the difference. I wonder, I wonder if, I wonder if there are still artists out there or if there will be, if there still will be artists out there in a few years where people are allowed to just like them without having to sort of provide some intellectual uh, you know, some sort of like culture currency uh, uh, pretext um, for liking, you know, like do people just like, I don't know, is like Jamiroquai, Bob Marley, like those, those could be like, you might just be allowed to like those because they're designed to be liked and enjoyable. Um, cheek face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think I think first of all, that's bad for business. Um, you can't yeah. sell that, right? Really. Um, yeah. But I, but I think what you're describing is necessary. I think um, it's on the it's on the listener. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, one thing I've really worked hard at is beyond say the pitches we get, not really paying attention to that. Until I've had a chance to like experience it myself, um, because like when I say something, I'm not going to speak for you, but when I say something like, I really don't care what you think about X piece of music. Like I just mean I don't think about it all the time, and it, it in no way can color or or shift my opinion on that if I if I'm a fan or I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, right. right. Somebody could give me a million reasons why they like Boy Genius. And I just don't yeah. like it. Yeah. And like, but I also don't try to critique it because I know, I mean, I literally, it just, it passes through me and stuff. Um, which I think brings us to uh, song time again. This is a good, yeah. good, good, good way to do this. Um, because this artist, Katie Kirby, um, is apparently pretty hip. She's on anti, so she's like doing okay. Um, that used to be, I don't know if she's still on a Nico Cases label. Um, so there's some parallels yeah. here. Uh, 2021, she had an album called Cool Dry Place. I have not heard that album. I bet you have. I have it. Oh, um, you have it? I have okay. it. I have it. I really like it. I'm seeing Katie Kirby tomorrow night. Okay, great. And I have not, and I and knowing we were going to talk about this, I went out of my way to not listen to the new release. Oh, just to, oh just okay. Just to sort of show up here fresh. Okay, yeah. see, this is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Your show now is going to be, because we're only playing one song. And and there's yeah. not a lot that I can talk about this album because I'm slowly getting into it. I kn I knew a week and a half ago that we were going to talk about this, but I don't need to be the expert on this, right? Mm -hmm. I, I I'm just here to tell you what I really like about it, and what I really like about it is the song "Wait Listen," uh, and I think we're just going to play it, and I'll come back and I'll tell you why, and a little more about this because this is how I experienced the record. Um, so this is. Uh, Katie Kirby, the song is Wait Listen, is off her new album, Blue Raspberry. 
Crushed up like a coke can Carpet bomb of estrogen You're gonna take that back You're gonna take that back Party's wearing red, you said Naked I look just like a Rembrandt I hope you You're still hanging on to that perverse sense of obligation. Wait, 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 listen. If you pile them into it Stack them high now, heel to head They're keeping off the wind She called me a feast when We kissed up in her bedroom then She apologized for biting Fuck me like you thought you did I remember Every minute Wait, 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 listen Kenny Kirby's Wait, Listen off of Blue Raspberry. There's that line in there, they turn off my location. Yeah, uh, let you let you fuck me like, let her fuck me like you thought you do. Yeah. Um, is yeah. In listening to this, up until that point in the album, I was like, "This is good. This is interesting." But that particular line elevated it to something that, like, this is true story or not. You know, the the album is about her first queer relationship, but it's also built around. Uh, a lot of people like relationships just breaking apart and coming back together and like all our friends group and stuff, which happens when you're younger. Uh, a lot. It happens when you're older too. Um, the album I, I think is, is a study in how all that works. Not, not just about her first queer relationship, but that song in particular is, uh, it's also a style. Like it's conversational in a way that you don't know if you're supposed to be there. Yeah. Andy Schauf does this really well in the neon skyline. Um, and, and, and she does this in blue raspberry sets up these characters that doesn't even name them. 
you know, whereas the whole city named all these characters and had these adventures. These are characters, but right. they tend to be also more like archetypal. And then kind of lets them play. And you get to, and you, yeah. you find out what she's trying to say by just listening to these characters talk in snippets. It, it is, to me, it's an insane way to write a song, but it's also like insanely, I, I will always just like perk up and be like, yes, that, that's it. Yeah, no, that line has a, um, a clear uh, attention grabbing moment, right? I think anyone who's listening to that is going to hear that line and immediately, immediately perk up. Um, there's another, uh, you know, the other songwriter that I tend to think of in these moments as someone who can kind of capture something like this um, is probably Will Sheff from Ockerville oh, yeah, River, sure. who I think, who who had one of my favorite quotes, um, probably to Pitchfork uh, 10 or 15 years ago, um, about how in indie rock, everything is so sexless and no one ever uses fuck as a verb. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really, I, and you know, that really landed for me. And I remember listening to a record of, uh, a song of his where there's a line that's something like, you know, I light a cigarette and I asked her what her husband's like or something like that. And it's one of those moments of just such like shattering, uh, just like it's emotionally devastating. It's so intimate. It's so, you know, you can't believe someone like wrote that and is singing it and is going to perform that. Yeah. Um, because it just feels so core, so true or something. Um, it is, but sort of what we were talking about film writing. When we get stuff like that in like a book, in prose, we aren't we aren't shocked. Why why do you think yeah. we're shocked? In, is it, is it because the expectation of how the art form is developed? Because it should be just like yeah, it should be it should be pleasant for somebody to essentially just read a book to you as a song. And right. It's mostly right. not <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I I think I think there are. Um, I think everyone should be so lucky. There's a, I forget who this line is by, but it's something about, you know, kind of modernist poetry that it's, it's trying to like mimic and recreate the rhythms and patterns of a person thinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and that when a poem is successful, it, 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 it does that. It feels like, it feels like you're sort of tapping into a voice inside of someone's head. Um, and I think a lot of, there's a, there's a type of songwriter who I think really aspires to that, to be able to sort of do something that feels that natural. Um, and, uh, you know, I think some people probably don't, uh, don't conceive of that as a goal, but I think for people who do, I mean, I mean, this song to me sort of puts her in a different, um, it, 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 it puts her in that, in that lane to me of, of folks who were really um, treating songwriting as a, I don't want to say like a competitive sport, but like they're not, they're showing up for it. You know, yeah. they're, yeah. they're really, there's like, there's like a, there's a practice, there's a discipline, there's a, there's a sense there of what they're trying to do. A lot of, a lot of the singer songwriter things that we respond to, like the Chessa Rich record yeah, yeah. Um, is another one, right? There's an attention to craft um, and there's an attention to like, how do these words and feelings work together? Um, as opposed to the more sort of like tossed aside, you know, words are just placeholders for sounds and emotions and like they don't really need to, you know, whether you're using the right word or not uh, is less important. Right, uh, right. And like like having made an album now, 
you, I can just speak for myself. Like, there is a point beyond just the creation of the sounds themselves where you start to think about like emotional impact, what what you're saying, and it's not always what you thought you were saying. Um, but yeah. it's very easily. This is an instrumental album. Mine is, but it's a lot easier to do that with words because you you can get that. So, but even like even the way that deep piano hits and there's like almost like breaking crackling sounds in the background of that track. Uh, you know, it's, it's clearly taking it, its inspiration from that moment. Like she's breaking up with this person essentially. Yeah. Confessing that she cheated on them. And I'm guessing knows how to hurt him because it's a woman yeah. that she slept with. Right. right? right. So, like, there's, in this beautiful track, there's just this implied violence, and it's all, like, connected. Like, I, that versus, uh, you know, a pop song. <laughs> like, this has no place in the poptimism right. thing, and, and, I, and I know people have talked about her a little bit, like, as, like, indie pop. Or, like, this is not, like, first of all, there's no such thing as indie pop, but uh, th- this is not that. Uh, I, like, what would you do with a pop, if a pop song affected you in that way? Yeah, it'd be like well, seeing Cthulhu. It'd just be like, you, like <laughs> existential, universal horror, man. You just couldn't yeah. take it. <laughs> I mean, if if you could if you could ha- if you could deliver that feeling to someone in the middle of a dance song, it would break people. Like the cognitive dissonance would be impossible. Yeah, to run, <laughs> I think, right. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Well, no, that was that was that was really good. I'm I'm very excited for. Uh, I mean, by, by the time people hear this, I will have seen. Um, you've seen Katie it. Kirby, but so uh, next episode I'm, you can report back. Yeah, I'm really really excited for that show tomorrow night. Songbird, Songbird. once again. It's gonna be. Uh, speaking of Songbird, how about uh, Ticketmaster and Live Nation? Yeah. How about how about, how about that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Get all the hits. Um. This is a new format, guys. Maybe it'll last, maybe it won't. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a little hearing uh, done that was not, in my opinion, didn't further the cause any because the people talking about it that were against it weren't very well spoken. Um, I, I don't think the argument of just like they're bad, Monopoly is bad, like is 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 a is an intelligent argument to make um i get i get where it comes from and yeah they are bad <laughs> but but you have to be like more nuanced on it because they are doing stuff uh like you know the the voucher program that they had they're ending merch cuts at these venues that they can um and a songbird uh works a lot with live nation Mm-hmm. Um, there are companies, there are other venues that do, and I know owners of venues that are like, fuck Live Nation, and would like, start crying if they found out that like, their guy down the street works with them. Yeah. Um, I don't, do you think the breaking Ticketmaster up is the way to save the industry, or if we even need to do that? Um, I think, uh, well, so I think that there is clearly a need 
for transparency around how tickets how tickets make it to the public um and there's a bunch of people before that before that i want to say which side are, are you concerned at all about whether the charges are seen up front in the ticket or at the end yeah so so no i mean yeah. i mean look, okay it's, so we're it's, on the same uh, page with that uh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, th- there's 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 a lot of like um uh, a lot of concern about sort of price transparency and that that to me is less is less important um uh ticketmaster is going to charge a fee sometimes that fee is fucking ridiculous and i think that there should be probably some um you know the government can 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 control the prices of certain things and can set limits yes. on on how much you can charge for for certain things and i think um i think that is long overdue there was a great you know green day played that subway set or something oh, yeah, recently yeah. And there was a good, I think maybe Hard Times had a joke about how it was a free subway set, but there was still a six ninety five ticket master processing fee <laughs> if you wanted to, if you wanted to go see it. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, somehow Ticketmaster somehow makes you pay a processing fee. Yeah, it's it's really um look, I think uh it it irks me that there are people who have made uh you know fortunes. Um, risk, you know, sort of hurting consumers by doing this, right? Um, I don't know that breaking up Ticketmaster is really the right, uh, I don't know that it's the right solution. Um, I think uh, there needs to be a little bit more attention to, um, well, I should say, look, I would welcome the breakup of Ticketmaster if it happened. Like, I would like, like, sure. no part of me would like, would like mourn the end of Ticketmaster. Right. I would like to see a lot more attention uh, being paid to people who make a living buying and reselling tickets to high demand events. Um, yeah, I would like, I would like, I would like that market to really be like forcefully targeted. Um, there are, you know, you can sign up for like classes on how to do this and then you can go to like, you know, they have, they have message boards where they can, where people who have no interest in like Olivia Rodrigo or something, um, or Bad Bunny or whoever, but they're going to go in there and they're going to drive up the price for a ticket. And like, you're making money off of, like, that's, that's like, you know, that's worse than Bitcoin somehow. We have found the thing that is worse than Bitcoin, <laughs> which is to get rich off of like flipping tickets. Um, yeah. And, and especially if you're doing it on the backs of like 14 year old pop music fan, like, yeah, what, what fucking terrible person does that? And then like, and then like, and then posts a YouTube like tutorial on like how to do this. I made I made seventy five k flipping tickets last year. Fuck you! <laughs> like that is that is yeah, the yeah, ultimate yeah. leech middleman not adding any value to the process. Uh, that, that, that's the uh, the jam band guy who like got eight tickets for his bros, and then next thing yeah, you know, right? Next thing you know, it's like they're all going for sale for like three hundred percent markup. Uh, you know, I'll go on the record yet again as saying I think all resale should be banned. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's the solution, and I uh, and I've talked with people uh, who like do this shit for a job, and they're like, "Well, that's not really practical." I said, like, "I'm not, I'm not a policy analyst. I'm telling you the solution. And you can dance around well, that is- and and like make all of these excuses, but at the end of the day, if you want it fixed, you end resale. It's not a the solutions. The solutions exist. The solutions yeah, exist. It's, they, it's just it's just whether you know like like I." I think I've mentioned before. So the aforementioned Songbird uses Dice mm-hmm. for sold out shows. I can I can resell tickets through Dice only through Dice, and only for face value. 
Yeah. Um, which is the, the net, which is net, master. It's a net good. It's yeah. great. But that then adds cost to the ticket because you have to have the service on to facilitate resale. You know? Yeah. You might, you might lose like a dollar or two or whatever, but, 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 you know, it, it's, 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 um, uh, I think you can automate a lot of this. My sense of, of like the dice process is that it is, it is largely automated. Yes. Um, no, it is. And, and yeah. And if, and you know, and if we're going to have large company, like if large companies are going to exist to handle ticketing, this is exactly what large companies can do that smart, that, that small companies can't, yep. right. They can, they can, they can afford these, these innovations. Um, but, but basically, you know, I think, I think really, um, the biggest problem with ticketing and the biggest sort of driver of, of, of cost is not, you know, it's also what Ticketmaster does, but really when I go to, when I try to, I tried to buy tickets to Bruce Springsteen like 20 years ago and the ticket limit per person was like eight or 10. And that's clearly, that's clearly designed to like right. for scalpers. It's clearly designed to maybe stroke the artist's ego and make them think that their tickets are going faster than they really are. Yeah. Right. Because all the tickets technically sell out, but like very few people might show up if they're all being held by ticket brokers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is very, it's a very complex set of interactions and entities interacting. Um, you know, there's, yeah. there's also the Ticketmaster, like, holding stuff for, specifically for resale, um, which happens. Right. Artists get right. caught doing right. 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 Like, so, you know, so you just, just ban it all is what I'm saying. Uh, in lieu of that, I, I do like dice. Um, we've passed the point where we can use the term, I know you use the term innovation. We've passed that point. We have the solution. We have all the tools we need to make this right. And so, what we're talking about is interested parties who do not want it right because then they're out of they're out of business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just don't. I, I don't have the same disdain as you for people who engage in this simply because it it exists. They're allowed to. Like. I mean, I do think it's scummy, but I'm like, no, oh, well, the people. Well, I want I want them to not be allowed to, though. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, and 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 that failing. I mean, I mean, I I, I will say one thing that um, happens a lot in uh, you know this is not for sure. There are people, uh, there are mad, awful capitalist hippies running around there. But but most of the people I know who uh, are looking for tickets to like a fish show are going to use cash or trade. Um, yeah, another, and, another and good that solution. Is, yeah, which is, but it's, it's voluntary. It depends on people not being dicks, right? Yeah. So, so like most people I know who go to fish shows, I think just about everyone, it would never occur to them to resell a ticket to a fish show for a profit. That's just like, that's just, that's just, it's just poor form. You just wouldn't do that. Right. Um, right. and cash or trade makes that possible. And what's wild is you can go on there and you can trade like dead and company tickets for Billy Strings tickets. I mean, you can do straight up trades like that. And I sort of like the 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 idea that 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 these are being handled sort of through a barter system with like no monetary value really yeah right it's just a one to one ticket swap I think I like I like your system uh, our suggestion of of two tickets two yeah. tickets max yeah it, it's I'm like it's gonna suck for big groups like we'll figure it out there's gonna be an adjustment period over time um you know it's it's happened that i've like i think for a fish show at msg i was in the same row as some friends but i was like eight people away so i had to talk to eight people to be like hey would you mind if I, if we all just like moved over one seat and yeah. then i can be on this end of it with my right and like that's not that's fine <laughs> it's not terrifying to talk to someone well how about, how about this know? how about this 
make only certain sections, like have packages. And you pay a premium yeah. for it. You you want eight tickets together? That's fifty oh, yeah. percent more. I do like that too. I, yeah, I I, like I, that I'm, too. I'm just spitballing yeah. here. Like, yeah, not trying to no, like run the ticketing industry, but yeah, that that seems like you know just it's capitalism. Like, like yeah. use the tool uh, instead of letting the tool use you. Um, speaking of, also, I tool, mean, the real the hmm? go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say the real the real indictment of this is how many people have gone outside of the U.S. to see some of these marquee shows, right? It's it's people who've gone mm-hmm. to London to see Hamilton or to Paris to see Beyonce, yeah, uh, because it ends up being cheaper than buying a ticket to see Taylor Swift in Cincinnati. Yeah, you know what I'd like to see? Uh, I don't know if people are up on their internet and uh, data security stuff. Uh, the EU, the GDPR, uh, is is mm-hmm. the the thing, but yeah. Uh, they have <laughs> how you can control your own personal data on lock. It's amazing. And yeah, it's starting yeah. to impact Facebook, Twitter, like all these people that, uh, because they're American companies, abuse your, your stuff, Apple even. Um, mm-hmm. And the EU is not fucking around. So they're like, <laughs> take them to court and be like, you know what? If you want Facebook to exist in Europe, you have to do this. Yeah. Um, so that model applied to like us. Just stop being nasty little bitches, man. <laughs> like there we go. Like we're old enough. We've grown up. We have a few things we got to get rid of. You know, hopefully this election will got a clean house. But you know, like we can handle it. We can start acting like the adults that we are. Well, one one positive thing that I think Live Nation is doing um, is the is the and it's really out of Coldplay's initiative, oh, right? Is nice. the sort of like yeah. setting the standard for the greening of um, of touring, and I think that's something that's really fair to hit artists on. Is you know what are you doing to reduce um, your carbon footprint? Um, and I really, you know, I it's like it's 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 totally immaterial how i feel about coldplay's music what they're doing is a is is great and uh it is is it fair artists follow suit is it fair that hit artists on that if they're just like we don't give a fuck about it <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's fair to hit you know like taylor swift beyonce yes. fish like these acts yes. that are dead dead and company you know these big yeah. sort of arena acts mm-hmm. um a, you know a, another thing that goes hand in hand with that is letting people bring water into shows um yeah that's and, that's huge man like yeah like, i mean just, just like because like because the amount of plastic trash that you create from that and right. don't give me your fucking what is that canned like liquid, liquid death, death bullshit yeah, yeah. fuck fuck off with that man we're gonna get canceled when you start talking shit about <laughs> liquid death it's, it's <laughs> over <laughs> but but no i mean it really is and someone died at the taylor swift show in brazil right and right. and and not just not just because of the heat and the water situation but also because the ga areas are always oversold and if you you know the fact that there is water there is useless if to to get to the water you're going to have to lose your spot right and you're never going to be able to make it back into the crowd like in that case most people aren't going to drink water so we really do need to give some thought to like how to prevent people from dying at shows while also uh greening the uh supply chain yeah and live nation is doing that like you said and you know and this is happening because they have the capital to do it yeah right, right? you know it, so 
yeah, again, Live Nation is evil, but also like it's in their best interest to do stuff and they have the money to do it. So they're doing it. Um, I, I think that has to like, whenever you think about a company, um, you know, like there are people like they won't use Bandcamp now or whatnot or Spotify. Like you think, I mean, also try just try to look and see if they're doing anything good is, is all is always my suggestion. Like I, I tend to roll like, and I, like I felt, I felt, uh, like I didn't tell you this because I feel like you might be a little more like anti Amazon than I am, right? But like I got a really good deal. I got a really good deal on uh, without a net on vinyl. You know, which is I an expensive I product. Ordered that, huh? Yeah, I, I I thought I ordered that, and I I don't have it. I don't I don't know what happened. So so it was a really good deal on it. It was like twenty five percent off. My shop's not gonna like match that. I mean. Yeah, what I what I do. <laughs> there it goes. No, I I get it. I get it. Um, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, along those lines too. Well, Taylor Swift. We're we're getting to the end, yeah. and we got we got one more song time to go. But uh, back to the ticketing thing, Taylor Swift. Um, it, it, with the environmental stuff too, I think we would agree that people like that have a responsibility to this. Yeah, 50, 50 fucking trucks for every show, yes. you know, driving yeah. like that's like you need you need to green that. Yeah. You need to green. Yeah, that. you you have yeah. a responsibility to that um that is there's no like they're an artist just let them sing like no, you this is you're having a serious environment impact, environmental impact. Uh what about if Taylor Swift um so for people who don't know, she just sort of uh leapfrogged the distributors for her film. And it, ma- right. and it made right. a lot of people really angry because they're like, they're the middle guy. And they're like, well, we need that. We need our cut. And she's like, I can afford not just to not give you the cut, but there's nothing you'll be able to do about it ever. Her next right. film will come out and people will buy it without this right. distributor stuff. So I know Pearl Jam tried it, but they aren't at scale. Does Taylor Swift have responsibility does Beyonce because they are at a scale where if Taylor Swift is just like she knows the stadium right and she says well uh, I know you have a deal with Live Nation we're not paying them we're going to pay whatever extra amount it costs to not deal with them is that legitimate yeah, my you know my only hesitation there. So so I think I think you know with the greening of the tour, it has to do with like your own personal actions, and you know when you get to be at a certain scale, you you have an obligation to like not harm the planet. Yeah. Um, people like the list of things that Taylor Swift was supposed to have fixed includes digital streaming platforms, concert ticketing. Mm-hmm. Israel, Gaza, the the United uh, States, the government. Yeah, the last presidential election, the next presidential election. Yeah. Um, I don't think make Taylor Swift say it is like a reasonable plan for most, things, right? Or like make Taylor Swift do it is like is like a way to to uh, uh, that shouldn't be that shouldn't be the plan for everything. I. I I do think that um, right, but people are scared of it. so. Like the right wing is up in uh, arms because her and Travis Kelsey and like uh, you cannot make this up. They 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 thought she was a psyop, a CIA psyop, yep. 
and she's going to come out at the Super Bowl in the middle of Usher's set somehow and just and endorse Biden. Yep. And like, I don't know how stupid you have to be to like come up with that in the first place. We're pretty fucking stupid. But but at the same time, they came up with it because it's a real fear. If somebody like on their end could do that, they would. You know, it's a matter of like looking at like how can power be exerted? And to be honest, if she did that, like (laughs) that's going to have an impact. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is the kind of thing that Taylor Swift will do. I mean, she's very, she's very shrewd uh, from a business standpoint. Um, And she is maybe, maybe better than I say this as someone who loves both fish and Taylor Swift. Like those two artists are very good at extracting money from their fans. Um, so, uh, if there is a clear business case for her to do this, oh, I see. um, right. Then I think it'll like, like if it, if it makes sense from that perspective, Taylor Swift co will for sure sidestep these guys and then they'll kind of like whitewash it and the, you know, they'll sort of like, uh, um, anti-capitalist wash it with this like oh we're doing this because we hate these these big media conglomerates or whatever um so you're of the mind that taylor swift is no longer human and would only do this for reasons related to capital no i would i would love i would love for her to do this i would love for her to do this um i would i would love for her to basically disrupt every established part of like big concert you know Mm -hmm. um and you're right she there are not that many people who have the ability to do it. I'm not, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not even sure that Beyonce, Beyonce has that, uh, yeah, ability yeah. now, you know, the last, last couple of shows she's played around here. Um, there, there were tickets available on the day of the show from, from resellers yeah. for not mm. for like reasonable markups, you know, two, $300 to go see Beyonce. Like when face value is probably one fifty on that ticket. So, right, right, right. Um, so I'm not sure she has the ability to completely sidestep these things, um, at the moment that, that, that could change. Um, but, uh, and you know, Olivia Rodrigo is like 20. So even though she's, she's selling out, um, football stadiums, it's not, you know, Taylor Swift has done three or four of those football stadium tours. She is big enough. There's infinite demand for Taylor Swift things. Um, I would love it if she did it. I would love it if she did it. I would love, I mean, I like all the things people want her to fix. Like I, I, I would love to see those things fixed. I, I, I don't, my brain sort of recoils at the idea of like the break glass in case of emergency can't be like a Taylor Swift in there every time. Well, yeah, just substitute Taylor Swift for, can't be a celebrity. Can't be, but you know, to kind of tie it back to a lot of what we've been talking about this episode is like why we listen to music. Why we, you know, we look at Taylor Swift as, this paragon of virtue to represent something like I, I, I mean, we've had this discussion. Uh, I don't know that she's a great songwriter, like as far as writing songs that mean things. I know she's great at song craft, um, yeah. and has capitalized on that more than just about anybody in history. Uh, which is which is to be it is to be admired. For sure, and and the and the self mythologizing, right? Correct. Like like that's a really that's that piece of like the superstar thing that yeah. she understands something about the nature of fame or whatever that that I you know I I I don't. Um, but yeah, the idea that she is like a categorically better songwriter than everyone else who doesn't play football arenas is is really 
It's yeah, really hard yeah, to substantiate. Yeah. yeah. So if it meant that I had to like listen to the national daily, <laughs> but like her making a statement could shift, like say our politics to the better. Like I'll take the hit. <laughs> yeah. Any celebrity. Yeah. No, no. Any I, celebrity. I, I, yeah. I'll, I'll take the hit, man. Yeah. Um, the taking a crack at like running your own ticketing and con- and like and like booking thing like you know the Grateful Dead tried that. Um, it, it's it must it must be harder than it seems. But but what would be great is if is if folks like Taylor Swift and others bought into a Dice or something like that and made Dice the preferred ticketing solution for all of their concerts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, the Dead now are just in into printing money for themselves. I mean. Yes, I, they are. You know, uh, the dead for people who don't know, Dead and Company is owned by John Mayer and Irving Azoff. So Bobby's an 50, employee, fifty-one percent ownership. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so the rest of those guys are employees of John Mayer and Irving Azoff. Um, they just announced the thing at the Sphere, not as pricey as I thought it was going to be, um, but it's still you know there seems to be the the range. Same was for Fish. Same was for U two. Um, for the sphere tickets, because I won, I won lottery tickets um, for the first night of fish. Um, I'm not gonna. You don't get those tickets until 48 hours ahead of the show, so it's impossible to list or resell them until then. It's so amazing. anyone who's seeing listings of tickets for the sphere, like those are not real tickets. Uh, amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's back to the ticketing thing. Too. That's a weird conversation of like people. We need to like eliminate speculative ticketing. It's like, why does it exist in the first place? Like, what? <laughs> there should have just been a law that says if you don't have the, the item, you can't sell it. In fact, I'm pretty sure there is. Why does it not apply to ticketing? Yeah. But like, that's yeah, called that's fraud <laughs> from soup to nuts. But um, 100%. But yeah, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to print a lot of money. Um, and, uh, you know, well, I, I, did we talk about them, the end of the their final tour and uh, semantically what it meant. No, maybe we should, maybe that should be like, maybe we should pick that up before that sphere run. Cause I think there must be some additional stories that have come out since then. There's, there's some weird, that's, it's a, it's a little, it leaves you feeling not as great uh, about what's going on there. Um, At the same time, uh, I I think John Mayer's moves have been like very, very shrewd. Um, Sure. And very smart, like he has made it so that he can be playing as dead in company when there are no longer any surviving members of the Grateful Dead in the band. Yeah, that's a whole other episode. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, we'll get there. We'll get there. Song time? Song time? So we're going to ride out here. We started on some kind of uh, interesting jazz fusion, and yeah. we are going to end there. Um, and we're bringing Andre back in for this one. Welcome to Andre. There's no introduction. You're just like in the state of Andre. This is part of what he brought back from um, Australia when he and uh, his uh, partner were there uh, a little while back. And, um, you know, this was a band. He 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 played some of their stuff for us, which was that um, live at the White Channel, live at South, at yeah, yeah, yeah. South Island. That was when I was uh, in town, right? That, that yes. was, that was, uh, so this was the Mild Life Dawes sandwich. <laughs> yes. Where you yes, accepted yes, yes. Dawes exactly Okay, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly yeah. what it was. Um, <laughs> they have a new record coming out um, in, uh, in about a month, and uh, there are three singles out. Um, we're going to listen to the song uh, Yourself, and let's just play it, and I'll say a couple things when we get back. 
tiptoeing around Can't quite meet you in the middle Unfamiliar sound But I know What I know In the moment is gone That was that was yourself by uh, by Mildlife, and one of the things that really that really strikes me about this song is that um, you know that last verse ends. Um, the lyrics are uh, not tiptoeing around, no weight on my mind, getting up when I'm down, as it breaks your body down. Fantastic life, alone for the ride, and uh, I really like this. I you know the song. It's called Yourself. It it, it mm-hmm. it's really. Uh, seems to be getting at to me the uh, the fact that like you know dancing is uh, we often talk about it as this kind of social thing, but you spend a lot of time like inside your own head when you're dancing out in public at a club or at a show, and right. and you're sort of talking to yourself and you're like, do I look normal? Am I doing the right things? Am I? And there's this moment, especially if you're then aided by external substances you've put in your body to make you think certain things and feel certain things. You end up in this like great dialogue with yourself and, uh, you know, you're really, it's really inescapable that, you know, at the end of the day, it's just you and your thoughts on the dance floor. And I sort of really like that, uh, the contrast of those two ideas. Yeah, I, I, I like how you explain that. Um, uh-huh. I'm not going to lie, like, I would not listen to this unless I was hanging out with Andre. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that makes there, sense. There's, there's something about it, and, and that it, it, like I don't, I don't like a lot of dance music. I do like a lot mm-hmm. of psychedelic music. Um, mm-hmm. 
but this to me doesn't quite do either great if that makes sense i mean it's jazz, it's jazz fusion yeah. and and I, and i like it but the thing about liking jazz fusion is that you accept that most of it is just at this level right and it's just, <laughs> yeah. you're you're in yeah. for the nerd experience so again if it came on i'm like i'm like yeah i'm going to put that on I, I don't know i know we have a request out for like an advance of this but i i don't know it it doesn't this type of stuff we'll just refer to it as andre core uh, doesn't resonate with me in quite the same way. Part of that for this song, what you're talking about is just because, like, I I don't think about dancing at all. Right? It's it's not it's not a thing I do. It's not a thing I think about. I I'm just like okay. Um, if people enjoy that, yeah. that's that's fine. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Um. To my mind, it's it sort of stands it stands uh, it stands apart from a lot of the post Daft Punk random access memories kind of uh, genre of like you know seventies Italo disco done very sleekly and 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 modernly um, and maybe it's just on the strength of that South Island Channel um, release that that we liked so much but uh, that felt a little more lived in. Like this is the first time I've, yeah. I've heard it on on record, like a, a, an actual recording studio. Like, where, like where does this to you sit when it comes to bands like Tame Impala or Pond? You know, Kevin Parker specifically is probably responsible for this type of vibe coming up in Australia. Yeah, um, it's you know, it's not my favorite neighborhood to be in, but. Um, but yeah, but you know, I'm sort of it. It it, it makes me um, it 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 gives me a little bit of a feeling of um, you know, it's probably not that different from like the first time I heard "Return of the Space Cowboy" by by Jamiroquai. Okay, and yeah, just had this feeling of like, wow, is this like, is this the future? Is it the past? Is it both at once? Um, and uh, it it there's something about. Uh, about that that I find really reassuring. Now, I'll I'll say I do think I favor their instrumental songs over um, the songs with lyrics. Um, that really seems to... These, these guys, Mild Life. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think, you know, I, I would apply this criticism to jazz as well. I think, I think a lot of modern jazz, as much as I like it, um, especially uh, some of the stuff, not on International Anthem, but International Anthem inspired, um, mm-hmm. often misses the point a little and it uh it just becomes too repetitive yeah and so yeah. the jazz of it is that they're using like instruments oriented with jazz but you still have to it, if not write a good song you still have to like improvise a good song i i won't name the album but uh it's uh, i got it and i was excited everything about it sounded like my jam and i listened and it's jazz album uh horns and I listened to about three songs, and I uh, deleted the advance from my library because it was what it was providing was a momentary like hit of like dopamine, maybe you know it was like it was pleasant, right? But I'm not going to go back to it. Yeah, um, uh, and and it's possible that this. I mean, I'm I'll I'll be curious to hear how this how this album sounds when all these songs are yeah, sung me too. together. Me too. Uh, 
you know, it, it's, it's, it, it, it may be, it may not be dynamic enough for my liking. I may need a little bit more variation in the groove. I may need a little bit more sort of things happening. Um, that said, if these guys tour the U S I will for sure want to go see them live. I think that's right. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. I would. Yeah. 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 It can be a fun night out. Even if you don't dance. You stand there, yeah, hold your. We'll up. grab, we'll grab Andre. We'll, yeah, just stand we'll there, hold your beer, and Andre will get kicked out. <laughs> or Andre will end up in the band. Um, that's right, he will. He'll probably end up in the band. Um, yeah, so that's coming out soon. Uh, every album we talked about is out except for that one. Uh, right. So you can get Katie Kirby on Bandcamp. Uh, you can get the Breadman on Bandcamp. You can get Kitty Cohen on Bandcamp. That's uh, where. I still buy, if I'm going to buy files, that's where I tend to. Yeah. Interestingly, this Kitty Cohen, the new single is not on Bandcamp. I don't know if that's an oversight or, yeah, um, her previous EP is. um, So, I mean, I had had to go to like iTunes to buy this. If it's a Uh, statement, uh, I'm not trying to chastise artists. Don't, 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 don't put your stuff on Bandcamp, people. Yeah, put your put your stuff. We're we're all mad about what happened. Every every artist, yeah. every like everybody who loves music is mad about what happened. But don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think there's I think there's um uh yes, you should have your music on Bandcamp. Yeah. Until it implodes. Yeah. And then on to the next thing. And then, and then something else will come along. There's some, there's some rumor of uh, some people trying to come up with a, with an alternative for that. Um, uh, there's a thing called Nina Protocol, which we might talk about a little more later. Uh, I am not using it because it's Bitcoin based. Okay, I don't know if this is the same thing. This might be something else. Okay. Yeah, I'll t- I'll talk about it off mic. Okay. Uh, so that's it. That's season premiere, I think. Uh, unless you had anything else, what are you? We working? covered a lot of ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Went a little long. That's okay. I've been gone a while. Yeah. Uh, what are you looking for in twenty twenty four in music in general? Um, I, you know, I al- I always want to be surprised and delighted. Right. Those are the things that that keep me coming back to music. Is that moment of excitement when you hit play on something that uh that you haven't listened to yet and literally anything could happen um i i would like to see a return to this feeling of um you know 2023 seemed to me like a maintenance year or sort of i think we called it a sophomore slump year yeah that like coming out of the coming out of 2021 the pandemic everyone was like ready to sort of attack and then in 2023 people didn't know what to do um, I would like to see, you know, I'm going to go listen to this Katie Kirby record probably tonight. Nice, um, nice. and that's probably the kind of songwriting that I want to see more of. Um, I'm also really eager to see, um, you know, we were talking, uh, toward the end of last season, you know, I, I, we were listening to some Brazilian artist and you were asking me if I was listening to more of that in general. And, um, and I guess maybe I think, maybe I think I am. And I'm, I'm really excited to oh, see yeah. what some what like what what pop looks like and what um the sort of alt other whatever we call like the alternative form of pop um looks like when the sort of you know alt latino type music um 
really makes its presence felt. And um, there's already a couple of um, albums that are really like strongly harkening back to like Manu Chao and uh, the those couple of records album. he did in the early 2000s. Yeah, Reina Tropical it, it, it is, and is coming. Sofia Cortesis, uh, Combo Chimbita is touring with Pac-Man. That's going to be a great show. So I'm really interested for some music in Spanish, which is a language that I don't really speak, but um, right, right. I can sort of fake it through Portuguese. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, I, want, I want good songs. Um, yeah. I, I want songs that mean something. Um, I made it clear to myself... Uh, well, oh, one thing we're going to be doing. Um, 1984 was a fucking fantastic year for music. Oh yeah, so yeah. So you're yeah. going to you don't have this episode because we've gone too long, but you're going to be hearing us talk about even if it's just a track of stuff that came out that year. I, I cannot stress uh, if if you want a playlist, I've got a great one. I'll send it to anybody who wants it. It's an Apple Music. Um, but I made it clear to me that myself uh, on on break that if I'm listening to pop, mostly it's going to be in the 80s. Um, because I just I just think it's that's better. Yeah. I, yeah, you know, I, I I hear stuff now, and I hear it. that's why I love the Mystery Friends album because they actually understood the '80s. Most synth pop bands don't. It was big in the '10s, were like '80s inspired, and like why? Because you used a Yamaha keyboard. That's not what the '80s were about. <laughs> yeah. Um. And and so, if anything like that pops up, I'm I'm invested. I'm like, okay, this is this is great. Uh. I, I want stuff to sound more like Badfinger, but I, I, I feel was about to say I, you want more Badfinger. I want more Badfinger. <laughs> I, well, I don't because it's such a tragic story, and no, there's so right. there's like 18 versions of Badfinger, and one of them doesn't have anybody that was ever in Badfinger. <laughs> like I can't even keep up. Uh, no, just stuff that is like rides that line between it sounds fantastic um, and maybe says something new and not necessarily important but something that uh worthwhile and yeah i don't know if we can get that i, I don't feel like we got a lot of that in uh in 2023 like and it doesn't need to be lonnie holly like right. that that right, that's right, right. that's that's beyond that's a whole other plane of <laughs> of existence for stuff like that but yeah just like um, I mean, we're not going to have TikTok songs because UMG just broke up with TikTok. <laughs> right. Next episode. We'll see how that impacts. But yeah, just, I don't know, more thoughtful, I guess. Yeah. Intent, execution, care. Yeah. If, I, if I'm going to spend yeah. so much time listening to music, like make it worth my while. Yeah. Yeah. That and I want a million people to buy my album. But that's not <laughs> there you go. You will do me a solid, people, if a million of you <laughs> buy that album. So all right, let's get out of here and we will be back in two weeks. Uh oh yeah, we're gonna talk to a lot of people this year, hopefully. Uh yeah. We haven't we've got we've got names, we're not gonna tell you them, but you'll know when the episode drops. Because you'll be like, Holy shit, they talked to insert name here. It's gonna be great. All right. Discology. Discology.